Are you tired of being told what to think and how to act? Well, you are not alone. In case you haven't realized it, you have an internal GPS. It knows all you need to know about how to live your life. So it's about time you stopped letting the media and the government tell you what is true for you. In fact, it is exactly that time. It's time to think for yourself. And here to make sure you're doing just that is your host, mediator, author, and lawyer, Carol Gold. Hi, it's Wednesday, June 29th. I'm Carol Gold, and welcome to Think for Yourself. There's an expression, there's nowhere to go once you hit bottom except up. I'm sad to say that I think we've hit bottom. I say that because of two things that have occurred in the last few days that speak about two of our supposedly most noble professions. One is the medical profession and one is the legal profession. Let me start first with the medical profession. I have a good friend who lives in Austin. She is a retired physician, family physician. I saw an article this morning and I sent it to her. And the article is about 12 physicians in the state of Texas who in a negotiated settlement are paying $3 million as a fine for kickbacks that they allegedly received from laboratories to which they ordered apparently unnecessary testing for patients. I'm sure that these dozen or so physicians who were caught in Texas are just the tip of the iceberg and that if it's going on here, it's going on everywhere. And if my friend were here, if she were on this podcast today, I know that she would have her own stories about the kinds of corruption, kickbacks, and lack of ethics that exists in her profession because she and I have talked about it. I just don't want to speak for her. And so suffice it to say that an example of what I'm talking about are these dozen or so physicians who were caught in Texas. This investigation is now broadening and they expect there to be more doctors that are part of this corruption. And as I said, if it's in Texas, it's in other states as well. There is Medicare fraud that's been going on for decades that everyone knows about, and yet it goes on. There's all kinds of corruption in the medical community. There are those doctors who refused to treat anyone with therapeutics during the COVID outbreak who encouraged people, who actually admitted people to hospitals, put them on ventilators and killed them in the process because initially, not only was there not enough knowledge, medical knowledge about how to treat COVID, but there were financial rewards for both physicians and particularly hospitals for medicating a certain way and for using certain equipment like ventilators and for diagnosing COVID through whatever other testing was available initially for COVID. So I think it's fair to say that the medical profession is corrupt. And because I'm an attorney, let me now speak to what's going on in the legal profession. Not that it's new, just that it's so front and center with the January 6th committee and what's going on that it's impossible to look the other way. And as an attorney, I'm ashamed of my profession, and I'm furious 
at how the legal profession, the rules of evidence that apply, and the Constitution are all being trashed for a political agenda. The low-level staffer who testified yesterday before the January 6th committee, and which became breaking, astonishing, earth-shattering news in the last 24 hours, who stated under oath, I believe she was under oath, yes, that she was told, and the minute she said she was told, as an attorney, I can tell you we're dealing with hearsay, which is not firsthand information. It's something she heard from someone else. In her particular case, it's what's called double hearsay, because not only did she not herself witness the events to which she testified under oath, she heard them from someone else who told her what happened because they knew from someone who had actually been there. So it's like whispering down the lane, (laughs) only it's called hearsay and double hearsay under the rules of evidence. So she testified to certain things about former President Trump. And you probably know what they are, but let me just quickly encapsulate them because I want to make not the point about what she testified to, but about the veracity or the truthfulness of what she testified to and the incredible lack of evidentiary procedure that should have challenged or at least brought to the forefront why that testimony is problematic. So she testified that she was told by a Secret Service person in the White House who learned from another Secret Service agent who was in the presidential vehicle known as the Beast after President Trump spoke on January 6th that he got into the limousine, that he demanded to be taken to the Capitol, that the Secret Service agent advised him that they weren't able to take him to the Capitol because they weren't equipped to protect him at the Capitol, and therefore they were going back to the West Wing. The president became irate. He objected. And her testimony is that he reached up, grabbed the steering wheel, attempted to pull the steering wheel in another direction from where the car was going. And with his other hand, he attempted to attack in some way the, quote, clavicles of another Secret Service agent. Number one, logistically, the absurdity of that is the beast, the vehicle in question, is divided by a, I believe it's a bulletproof screen or clear shield between the front and the back of the vehicle. And the president doesn't sit in the front of the vehicle, he sits in the back. So, Assuming he's not Spider-Man acting as Donald Trump in disguise, how did he get through that barrier, lunge from the back of the vehicle, which is like a, uh, you know, a large vehicle from the back to the front, able to grab both the steering wheel with one hand and assault a, a Secret Service agent with the other? Putting all the logistics of that aside and the absurdity of it all, because Donald Trump is hardly in physical shape to do any of that, assuming there was no dividing screen or plastic or bulletproof divider between front and back. He simply physically couldn't do it. He's not Tom Cruise in, you know, the latest Top Gun movie. But today, both the Secret Service agent who allegedly told her what happened, but who wasn't there as well as the Secret Service agent who was in fact in the vehicle, 
have both come forward publicly to say two things. One, they're willing to testify under oath that that never happened. And number two, that the January 6th committee never asked the FBI to verify her testimony. They were never contacted before she testified, even though the January 6th committee knew what she was going to testify to. So why am I so upset with my profession? Well, number one, there are 11 former federal prosecutors on the January 6th support staff. 11 former federal prosecutors means 11 attorneys who know without any question how evidence works, how witnesses can be pressured into testifying a certain way. And this particular witness testified four times at great length before the January 6th committee. She's a young woman, 25 or 26 years old. These 11 former federal prosecutors are mute. There's not a word out of them as to the bias and the absurdity of how this committee has moved forward. First of all, as you probably know, this committee has no method of cross-examination because there's no one on the committee who isn't either a Democrat or who isn't anti-Trump. Adam Kissinger and Liz Cheney are the two that were put on the committee by Nancy Pelosi because she refused to put anyone on the committee that had been recommended by the minority leader, which is the procedure that should have happened. Kevin McCarthy named people he wanted on that committee and she refused to put them on the committee because she didn't want a committee that would truthfully go after the facts. She wanted a committee that would conclude what the committee set out to do, which was to criminalize Donald Trump so that they could prevent him from ever running for president again. Not the thrust of this particular episode, although that's a rabbit hole worth going down. The point of today's podcast is that the level of corruption in our country, in medicine, in government, in tech, in big business, is, I believe, past the point of no return. I think it's catastrophic. Doctors take an oath to do no harm. Lawyers have an oath and a canon of ethics that we are obligated to live by. Doctors are not living by theirs. Lawyers are not living by theirs. Government officials who put their hand on a Bible and swear to public office are not living theirs. And in the corporate world, in the business world, it's all about power, control, and money. And it's certainly, that is the trifecta in the tech world, because we are being shepherded and herded and corralled and manipulated by technology by those large corporations that tell us what we need, what we want, how fast we can get it, and that we need more of what we probably don't need at all. There is a really good article on a website called American Greatness Today, and it's written by someone named Vincent McCaffrey, who was a novelist. I want to read you two quotes out of this article because they make a very important point about what I just said about tech but they also make a more important point about how we get out of where we are now. Here's the first quote. Now, 
This neo-Hobbesian view of man has been augmented by the innovative use of addictive algorithms that imprison the user in a comfortable bubble of his own making, a captive of his likes and dislikes, avoiding the unpleasantness of any other contact with reality. Unable to cope with what is disagreeable when confronted, the primitive emotion of hate quickly replaces thought. This Pandora's package is a bit more than can be detailed here, but it is important to be aware of it when considering the power of the tech companies now governing our lives. End quote. You know, we are governed by tech. We are governed by corrupt government and we are governed by tech as well because there is an unhealthy marriage between the tech world and our elected officials and both are corrupted. So like double hearsay, when something is twice removed from actual firsthand knowledge, double corruption is exponentially worse than just being exposed to corruption from two different directions. We are literally being enslaved, controlled, and directed by corruption. We have it everywhere. It's the reason that the cartels at the border are basically running our southern border. Because the cartels are corrupt. Because the cartels are corrupt. But they are only another form of corruption that is endemic. And I would argue if we have systemic anything in this country, it isn't racism or homophobia or a disdain for people who are different from us in color or in sexual preference. What we have is systemic corruption. So the second quote from Vincent McCaffrey's article is this. The internet is our Philadelphia. Do I need to explain what that means? I thought it was brilliant when I read it and true and filled with potential for the highest good. He's basically saying that when the founders convened in Philadelphia to draft the constitution, the best and brightest minds came together. And while they didn't agree about everything, They had a mutual respect for one another's differences, and they realized that only through compromise could they escape the clutches of a king, King George of England, who had so enslaved the population in England that they fled to an unknown land against all odds of survival to try to establish a culture and a society that had more individual and personal freedom. So when they got together in Philadelphia, there was a lot of argument. There was a lot of disagreement. But ultimately, every single one of them knew that the only way they survived out of many one, e pluribus unum, was to find common ground. And it was that personal humbling humility of each one of their strong beliefs and principles that allowed them to compromise on things that they believed passionately, but knew that unless they gave an inch here or there, no good would come of it. Nothing new would be formed. And what would ultimately result is a continuation of everything they had fled from in England. 
There are people moving to Texas, to Tennessee, to Florida. There are people from the Northeast. There are people from California. People are moving from all over the country to states that exhibit more personal freedom and less government intrusion. But guess what? If they get to those states, and I'm in one of them, I'm in Texas, if they get to those states and they bring with them the same principles and the same values and the same bending of the knee to government and tech that they ran away from in the states that became oppressive, then all we do is trade one oppressor for another. All we do is create a replica of what it is we're trying to flee. And so when McCaffrey says the internet is our Philadelphia, what he is saying is that the highest and best use of the internet is for us to figure out how to create conventions, in essence, how to create meeting places, not for chat rooms and not for porn and not for the lowest aspects of humanity, but for our highest potential to find ways to use the internet to dialogue with each other and understand at the get-go that we all feel strongly about what we believe in but we're all going to have to make some form of compromise in order to once again, e pluribus unum, out of many, one. And that one has to be a new way of living, a new way of governing, a new way of conducting business. And I don't know if it means a new constitution. That's a heady concept and and an almost an overwhelming thought to take on because we are not those educated, historically astute, highly intellectual founders. We are far fallen from that level of knowledge and discipline. I'm not saying we need a new constitution, but what needs to come from this new e pluribus unum is at least an understanding that if we don't radically change the way we approach our own lives individually, the way we tolerate being shepherded and manipulated, if we aren't willing to give up some of the luxury and the ease with which we do things, all of which have a price which is greater than the dollar amount that's on them, all we're going to do is trade one devil or one evil for another. It really is up to you and it really is up to me. Because everything starts with one person, whether it's a Mahatma Gandhi or whether it's a Martin Luther King or a George Washington or a Joan of Arc, it's always one person, a Moses, a Jesus. It's always one person who has the guts and the wherewithal and the determination and the certainty to stand for the highest good, no matter the price. We all need to do it on the micro scale in our own lives. Stop cheating, stop lying, stop manipulating, stop taking the easy road. And when the microcosm reaches its tipping point, the macrocosm will be the manifestation of that. It isn't top down. It truly is bottom up, but in a good way. A new Donald Trump or the same Donald Trump can't pull us out of this. No one in a position of governance who is at the highest levels of power 
will be able to do that. That's not who Gandhi was. It's not who St. Joan was. It's not who Martin Luther King was. It's not who Jesus was. And it's not who Moses was. It's never going to be one person we give all the power to who acts as our savior. It will be each one of us acting as our own saviors in our own lives and then manifesting something greater than any one of us could manifest on our own. Please think about it. It's a very important moment, not only in the history of the United States, but in the evolution of humankind. Thank you for listening. I'm Carol Gold. I'll be back here again on Friday. And until then, continue please to think for yourself. Carol thanks you for spending your valuable time with her. It is her mission to empower you to remember how smart and capable you are. Be sure to check out Carol's website, carolgold.com. That's carol with an E, gold.com. Please leave a review and subscribe here so you'll be alerted to Carol's next podcast. Until then, above all else, remember, it's time to think for yourself.